0: Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Modern Day Rebels podcast, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers that actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank and I'm the host of this podcast. I am fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives. Essentially what this means is that I explore how we can live life on our own terms without having to make any drastic daredevil changes. Whether you're employed, run your own business, work as a freelancer, or whatever your situation might be, this podcast's mission is to highlight the approach of those who live life a little bit more unconventionally to show you that you can too. Each week I sit down with a modern day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, what living life on their own terms looks like, and most importantly, how they managed to do so in the first place. In today's episode, I sit down with Samantha Cousins, food stylist, photographer, and founder of Spoonful of Happy. I initially found Samantha through Instagram and absolutely love the honesty that she brings to talking about what it's really like to run your own business. In this episode, we talk about how she's built a brand with authenticity, honesty, and impact at its front and center. She also shares so many great insights, for example, how every no brings her closer to your yes, how she sets her financial targets, and how she stays motivated. So let's get right into the episode. Well, thank you so much, Samantha, for taking the time today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. To get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do?
1: Okay, so I am Samantha. I am a food stylist and photographer, and I'm founder of my photography business, which is called Spoonful of Happy. And I typically work with very kind of um, passionate, purpose-driven brands and businesses who are looking to make a very positive impact um, in the world with their food. So that might be through things like sustainability, food innovation, or just supporting people with their health and well-being. And also just by kind of creating a platform where they can spread their um, positive message.
0: And I absolutely love that name, by
1: the way. <laughs> What's people of happy? Yeah. Oh, I to and fro on it all the time. I don't know whether it should be under just my name. It conveys everything that I think food should convey because I think the happiness part is really important for me. So I'm going to stick with it for now. But, you know, that's a part of building a business as it changes as you go. But, yeah, I just... I really kind of strongly believe in the power of food and kind of bringing people together. I think it can reflect so much of our lives. It reflects so many factors and, and different aspects of our lives, like things like love and culture and happiness, community, all those kind of things. So I try to capture as much of that as I can in my photography which helps my clients to then create a very meaningful connection with their customers. And then that in turn helps support their business and drive sales. So yeah, it's about a lot more than just the photography for me.
0: Yeah. I think that's really interesting about the work that you do. You mentioned kind of in, when you write about it, it's really about kind of sharing that and, and having those, those people come together around it. And kind of before we dive more into what it is that you do, why would you consider yourself as a modern day rebel? So this
1: this question makes me laugh because I just would never describe myself. I don't think there's a single person on the planet that would describe me as a rebel. Except for um, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm such a rule follower. But I think I think challenging convention in other ways is the way that I, I would say I'm a rebel. So I've kind of built a career that I want around almost wanting control over what I spend my time on. Um, and being able to decide for myself and prioritise things in the way that I want and not be governed by a bigger company um, or colleagues or a boss or anything like that. So in that way, I would say I am (laughs) rebellious-ish.
0: So is that always something you were interested in or did that kind of happen over time that you realised, actually, I really want to be able to, to have control over how I spend my time?
1: Yeah, there was definitely... There was a pivotal moment in my previous job that was the first time I thought, I really want to change something. But I think kind of the values of things like honesty and authenticity have always been really, really important to me and almost kindness as well. So those are things I want to make sure I am doing all the time and kind of embrace in my business. And I've never been happy with the idea of kind of promoting something that I don't believe in. So I used to work in um, advertising and I'd always, always been interested in advertising and marketing throughout uni. And I thought that's kind of where I would end up working. But I was really uncomfortable with the idea of, of working on a campaign, working for a client that I didn't... And I didn't believe in the product they were selling. So I ended up in theatre advertising because um, to me that felt like something quite honest and authentic. And it was, again, bringing people together and about happiness, entertainment, all that kind of thing. So that felt quite good to me. But, yeah, I def- definitely wanted control over over that honesty and authenticity side. But then I suppose the pivotal moment for me was when I was working in that agency and a friend of mine had asked me to go to a book reading in London and she lived outside of London it was one of her favourite authors she was really looking forward to it and I realised quite late in the week I think it was only the day or so before that I'd mixed up my dates and I had a work commitment that same evening so I had to message her and say I I can't do this. i have another work commitment. And I had to let her down. And she was quite rightly disappointed. She was a bit cross. And it felt horrible. And I just thought in that moment, like, my priorities aren't right. I want to be able to build my life around the things I organise with my friends and family and not around my job. So, yeah, it was like establishing a kind of a career around my life rather than a life around my career.
0: And is that something you... You talk a lot about kind of like that felt right and this and and kind of potentially even following that gut instinct. But in terms of realizing from that moment of having that, that pivotal moment to, oh, I could create the career around my life. How did you kind of realize that or get there?
1: I think there was a lot of kind of small changes that had to happen And I definitely, you know, in that moment, I didn't think, right, I'll just build a business of my own. You know, I I did not have the confidence to go there straight away. But I knew that I didn't, I just didn't want that to happen again. It felt so wrong to me. So I think, yeah, I I made a few little changes and did start to think about my job and um, whether I was enjoying it and what other avenues I could look at. And it kind of went from there, I guess.
0: And did you always, you're primarily doing food photography, but a lot of other things as well, but... Was food always something you were interested in or you had experience in? Food, definitely. Always been interested in food.
1: <laughs> but definitely not photography. I had, I'd had, i never owned a camera until about two years ago, I don't think. It was never on my mind. I, yeah, I'd, I'd always been interested in food. I'd always loved the connection of happiness and food. And I often used to talk about the fact that sometimes happiness is more important than healthiness. So I think a lot of nutritionists and a lot of um, people within the food industry at the time were talking about the importance of making really healthy choices. And I often felt that making a happy choice was sometimes the healthiest thing you could do in that situation and just enjoying food for what it is and not cutting things out or depriving yourself of anything. yeah I'd always been interested in food which actually led me to a health coach certification so when I was kind of losing interest in my job and kind of thinking I want to be working in a different industry I invested in a health coach certification I did all the training um, and exams alongside my full-time job and that really started it for me because I initially thought this is great this could be a job you know I can work a full-time career I had a little blog alongside it so I, I thought I could kind of bring them together and do that so initially that's That was my plan but yeah food photography was never on the radar
0: and then how did you get from coaching to photography and food styling so i think as i got
1: kind of more interested in the health coach stuff and all the food i started to develop my blog a little bit so sharing lots of recipes of my own online and I started kind of taking photos of those. They were terrible to begin with. But it became something I had to be aware of because obviously if I was sharing recipes, I needed some kind of imagery to go along along with it. And then I started looking into kind of health and wellness um, as an industry. And I went along to an event where I met my soon-to-be boss. And I just... I loved it. I felt like I'd finally found my group of people. Everybody kind of understood and there was lots of things I could talk about that I was really interested in. So I chatted to her for a little while. I did a kind of bit of interning work on the weekends and eventually a job became available with her. So I just handed in my notice and kind of jumped ship. But that took quite a long time. It was probably a year or so of me knowing that I wanted to be somewhere else but not having anywhere to go yet. And that's so hard because I wanted to take a job anywhere I could but obviously you need certain qualifications, you need to have been in a job for long enough. I didn't have a huge amount of experience so I had to rely on kind of connections and my boss's kind of belief in me. So that was an amazing opportunity to get but yeah it did take a little while. Um, And then I worked in this, it was like a small marketing agency, Um, we worked with loads of freelancers within kind of health and wellness and I just learned so much from them from being in this small team and I kind of started to get the idea that I could really Work on my own and have my own business because I was surrounded by other people doing the same. And meanwhile, I've been continuing with all the blog stuff, but there were also a few clients um, that we worked with on a few social media campaigns that needed food photography. And my boss was really good. She was a um, very keen photographer, so she would do them most of the time. But I started to go along to those and kind of learn a little bit about them. And gradually over time, I kind of took over that aspect of the photography for the brand. So it all kind of started there. And then I kind of thought, well, maybe this is something I could offer so then but then you get the whole idea of well I've trained to be a health coach and now I want to change my mind so that's going to waste the money that I invested in that and all the time and effort so I was slightly hesitant to kind of change my mind but yeah gradually over time I just I became so fascinated by the food photography and I just thought it was really powerful and it was combining those two loves you know the creativity and the food so yeah I eventually went part-time and then continued doing it for over a while had kind of bank of clients and stuff and then finally took it full-time in November of 2019.
0: So you've essentially kind of to, to bring that into order you you worked in an agency and then realized oh I kind of don't necessarily want to be doing this anymore but was having your own kind of business and and working with your own clientele something that you already thought of at that point or was it just kind of like I want to jump ship I want to change the industry and then once you started working with freelancers that was something that kind of planted the seed.
1: Yeah, initially it was just, I think, if I change the industry, then I'll feel more aligned to what I'm doing and I'll be more interested in it. Um, And I was for a long time, I was really enjoying that work. But I think you're right, as I was being surrounded by other people doing the same within the exact industry that I wanted to be in, I could see that it was a potential, my confidence was growing. And also, a really important step for me was that I was working with a coach at the time. So a friend of mine, Vicky Schilling, uh, she's a wellness entrepreneur coach, works with entrepreneurs within the wellness industry. Um, and she was just starting out so she was offering some free coaching so I jumped on that like yes please that sounds incredible and actually it was my work with her once the free stuff had ended I continued working with her and she really developed that confidence in myself and kind of got me to look at the mindsets that were holding me back rather than all the kind of nitty-gritty details like so much of it was me thinking well i don't know enough, or I haven't been doing this long enough, or it's a really risky move, and we kind of work through those and established you know what what is it that you actually want, and how willing are you to go out and get it
0: and if you're right, I kind of would like to to dive into those because I think you know we talk about limiting beliefs or or mindset and mentalities, kind of everything, but from a tangible standpoint, you seem to have had some of those of like i don't know if I know enough, i don't know if i'm I'm ready yet what helped you kind of get to that point where you're like, I still have this in my mind, but I'm going to do it anyways? And reframing that? I think it's
1: looking at the value that I have, even with all of those kind of limiting beliefs. So, you know, I would say, well, I don't know enough and turning that into a value of my own. So saying, okay, well, I, you know, I don't have a huge amount of experience. I don't know everything, but that doesn't mean that I can't start working with people you know it might mean that i charge slightly less than a photographer who's been in the business for 20 years but that's really appealing to a small brand who doesn't have the budget to pay for that photographer so there's there's space for everyone and you've got to see where the beliefs are just holding you back from taking that step because actually there were so many people willing and ready to work with me and i've been able to work with so many clients already and there's loads still that i want to learn but it doesn't mean i can't get started Mm -hmm.
0: And I think it's quite interesting, too, because I feel like a lot of times people seem to just do this like completely jump ship, go on their own, but you seem to have done it in a very kind of tangible, manageable way. How is it that you actually went from working in the health industry, employed to to running your own business? Well, like I like I was saying
1: earlier, I'm definitely a rule follower. So the idea of literally just going, yeah, I'm going to hand in my notice was not something I could do. So I had in my head that I would, I'd cut down to three days um, after about a year and a half working in this agency. I'd cut down to three days and I was starting. And was to... that something that they were just okay with or was that something you negotiated? I'd kind of spoken to my boss at the time when I first joined and she was well aware that my passion was to create something of my own at the time that was going to be a health coaching business but she knew that this was a job for the time being and then at some at some stage I would want to go full-time on kind of my own thing and she was so supportive of that because that was exactly what we helped everybody within the kind of community that we had that's what we helped them to do so it was really encouraged um, and she was very open to having that conversation with me when I kind of went down to three days and then from there I basically said if I can get myself a set number of recurring clients and enough clients pre-booked, then I will quit. So I had a very strict idea of what I needed in my head and that I wouldn't do it before then.
0: You don't have to obviously go into the exact numbers, but was that based on income in terms of how much those clients would actually allow you to kind of live off of? Or was that potentially a, a slightly more arbitrary number that made you feel like, oh, that would, that would make me feel successful, like I could do this by myself. Yeah, it was definitely
1: income. So I wanted to make enough, enough money from the, th- at least enough to make up my three days worth working with this current job. I could make that jump. It would be slightly risky, but I knew that I had some stuff behind me to kind of keep me going. But yeah, it was definitely, if I can make up enough money, I think I had about three months kind of buffer, if I could book in stuff that meant that I would have recurring clients that would pay some of that, and then also could actually book in specific jobs that I could tick off over a three month period, then I would hand in my notice. Having said all of that, I handed in my notice about two months earlier than I thought I would. <laughs> and what kind of prompted that then? I was I was going away, I was going for a long weekend, and we a few things within the business were changing. My role was gonna change slightly, and the calendar of events that we were running was going to change and it meant that essentially one event that was due for the end of November I think was going to be moved to the following year to about February. So I then thought well it's not really fair because I used to work heavily on the events it's not fair of me to hand in my notice in say January and leave just at the time when the event is about to run. And then I thought, well, you know, I'd have to stay long enough to host that event. And I was kind of tying in to try and find the best time to leave. And it ended up being if I don't do it now, I will have to wait four, five, six months. And I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I felt like I was... I was ready to go by the end of the year, and it had to happen sooner than later. And it was a really difficult decision because obviously I'd built such a strong relationship with my boss, who is, you know, a really good friend of mine. And it was such a small team, so we'd, you know, we'd really got to know each other, and it felt very difficult to have to suddenly go actually, you know, I'm going to hand in my notice now, but she was really good about it and she knew that that was coming and and it was all fine. But yeah, it was it was sooner than I had planned initially.
0: As a fellow rule follower myself, where you essentially were like, oh, wait a minute, should I really step away from kind of this the steady income that I am getting? Yeah, I think
1: I didn't really care about that so much because I just so strongly believed that I had something that people needed I valued what I was offering and I knew that if I did business in the way that I think business should be done I would make the money that I needed to live and I I wanted to just love my job over make a load of money so in my head I was kind of like well it will just come from somewhere (laughs) whereas I was really concerned about my family and the other people around me, which was something that I worked with Vicky on a lot, and she would always say to me, "Who are the people? Like, name some of those people." <laughs> and you either can't, or you can name a handful of people. And actually, we then work through, like, "Well, what is so scary about, say, you know, your mum and dad? Why do you feel so worried about telling them that you want to leave their job? What What would worry them about you doing that? Why would it be risky?" And you, you know, you end up realizing that it's just it's just a little bit of fear kind of manifesting in other ways. Like there's a lot of what I was, was holding me back was me and my belief that other people would judge me. Whereas when I told my parents, they were like, yep, do it. Sounds great.
0: <laughs> Why did you wait so long? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting thing, right? In terms of like, who are the people and everyone says this, right? And, and then actually, if you break it down, who exactly is everyone But it still is. Is that where the work with the coach was really kind of what helped change that? Or is there anything else that also helped you change those and realize, actually, this is this is fear and I'm okay with with that, but I'm still going to do it anyways?
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot with the coach kind of helped me to identify where they were just stuff that I'm telling myself. Um, And then I could go and do that work and kind of think about it myself, but just embracing failure and that 's something I try and do every day in my business and I'm so honest about it, you know I will tell people when I mess up and i I just think it's such an important part of a business because you only you're gonna learn from those failures or those mistakes um in a way that you wouldn't learn if you hadn't made them so and
0: I love that you have a you have a Friday fail series <laughs> yeah. as well well there's two of them which episode two is the the failure to show up consistently um yeah. which is after not having posted consistently which i just loved i just loved that kind of honesty about it it's like yep i i i planned this but it didn't it didn't yeah. happen the way
1: i planned i did one promise to show up the following friday and two months later was like hi guys <laughs> sorry for the delay but that's the thing like we're not perfect and i don't i'm not trying to pretend to be perfect and people make mistakes all the time and we, you know, I have all these wonderful ideas and loads of things that I want to do and I can't do all of them all the time. So just, yeah, being honest about that process is really important to me.
0: I think it's interesting because we always talk about kind of, you know, uh, I forget all these really cheesy quotes around like failure and learning from mistakes, but what is it specifically that kind of, do you have a process of potentially reflection that allows you to kind of evaluate, okay, so this is what happened, this is what I want to do next time, do you have kind of a more, I guess, not necessarily structured approach, but I am asking about, like, is there a process in place where you are able to then take those learnings forward? I don't,
1: I don't think there is really a structure. I think a lot of it is knowing that it's okay to make a mistake. So it may, I mean, maybe the structure starts before I even make that mistake because, you know, I'm always saying to myself, every no is one step closer to a yes. So if I send out 10 emails and everyone comes back with a no or I don't get a response, that's not a failure to me. I kind of celebrate every single one of those because I'm like, oh, I'm getting closer, even, you know, because that would be a very negative, probably pretty depressing day to get nothing back. So I have to just kind of switch it before they turn into what I would call failures or mistakes so that I don't mind so much when they happen. I can kind of shrug my shoulders and go, well, you know, at least I'm getting somewhere.
0: (laughs) And I love that. And I think it's, it's so kind of difficult to, to stick to that. So when those moments of doubt come up, or when you might not feel like you have an immediate positive spin on something, is there something that you, you do to kind of get back Um, into that?
1: Yeah, I I quite often take time off. So because I, you know, I'm like everybody else, I'm not positive all the time. And Especially, I mean, I can really get in my own head. So once it's gone, I'm then like, oh, you know, days will go by where I just think this is this is terrible, I'm not doing anything and I, you know, feel really sorry for myself. I don't go and do all the things that are really important to kind of keep my mental health happy and, you know. So, yeah, I definitely fall victim to that at times. But I think I I try and do everything to 100%. So if I'm going to work, just work. If I'm going to watch Netflix on the sofa while eating crisps, just do that. Like, I don't, I really try not to sit on the sofa and think, well, I should be doing that and these are the things I've missed and that's three hours gone, they haven't done anything. And I think that really helps me because it's okay to have time off and to relax and to not focus on my business as long as I don't then give myself a hard time for not doing it.
0: And is there something that kind of stops you from that thought? Do you kind of have something you almost tell your inner critic? Um, is it to, to shut up and, and leave you alone? or I
1: mean, I'd like to say that I'm good at managing that inner critic, but it, it does come in quite a bit, especially with like kind of comparison and stuff like that. But I think, I mean, if anything, the, I would just say to myself over and over, I am enough. Because I think that kind of encapsulates everything. So if I think, well, that photographer has more knowledge, knowing in myself that I am enough for my clients and for myself and you know or I've done enough or um, I was chatting to a friend the other day kind of I will approach my to-do list by going what is enough for me today so it doesn't if that's one thing or three things or 10 hours of work great but just having a list of what's enough and putting everything else to one side is a really good way of kind of getting myself back into a kind of happy positive mental state.
0: I really like that because at end days and I'm like, oh, I didn't do all the things today. <laughs> and then the next day it's like, oh, I didn't do all the things again today. So I quite, I, I really like that of like, what is enough? And, and so in November, you kind of, you went full time, made kind of the, the jump. And you mentioned something that I find really lovely. It's like running the business in the way that you think a business should be run or the way that you want to run a business. What does that actually look like? Oh, that's a good question. For me, I think... It is it
1: is about the happiness that that brings you. Like, so much of my time is spent on my business. You know, everybody has to go out and make money. So I want that to feel good and to feel like I'm doing something positive and creating change in the world. I don't just want to show up and do it and wish I could be doing something else. So I think, yeah, that is vital to me in my business and probably the driving force behind you know, why I ended up going full-time and creating this out of nothing for myself because I, I just refuse to live in any other
0: way. And there's, as a business owner, there's always things that you don't necessarily love to do, want to do. For me, some of those things are, you know, accounting and the finances and the legal yes. stuff. <laughs> um, well, very yucky stuff. <laughs> Thank God there's other people that can do that and are experts in it. But with, you know, Happiness is one of those really big terms, but we can't be happy all all the time. Mm -hmm. In terms of kind of managing that on a day-to-day basis, what do you do with tasks that you're, you know, not super keen on potentially?
1: One thing I kind of do that's more strategy-based is I will group my to-dos into a certain, so it's into into a set of three. So I'll put one thing that has to be done at the top that I really don't want to do. And then followed by two things that are getting more interesting. So the third thing is the thing I really want to do and can't wait for. The second thing is like, yeah, I don't mind that. And the first thing is I really hate this. But in order to get to the thing that I want to do, I have to do this one first. So that's yeah. like a, what I would actually do to kind of get things, things done. But in terms of like a mindset sense, I, I think that because you were talking about happiness, I think I don't value happiness over something like sadness or frustration or thinking you know all those kind of negative emotions that we well, what we would call negative I don't think are any less valuable than happiness because you can't have one without the other really so I really try and notice when I'm feeling all those different kind of things and just accept that that's as okay as feeling happy or that it will help me feel happier when that comes around and not try and avoid
0: them I think that's that's such a powerful kind of thing of of embracing everything and and almost I know kind of in in meditation they kind of say sitting with it but just kind of Mm -hmm. noticing when it arises and then and then accepting that and with your to-do list I think you also you mentioned somewhere that you chunk tasks as well if they are kind of related with one another I guess because you're a photographer you have a lot of it is based on light but could you tell me a little bit more about what that kind of potentially helps you on a day-to-day basis by doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've the process of actually doing the photography is, is really creative. So I need a very kind of creative brain switched on in order to do that. So if I know that I've got a shoot, I will batch together all of the kind of shoot things that I need to do. And then I will follow it up with much more mindless things that are quite easy to do that I can kind of tick off without having to focus too much on them. So I would never have a day of photographing and writing because that's too much for my like, creative brain to handle. So I do try and batch it in that way. And another way I do it is I will have client weeks and then admin weeks. So I try and get as much client stuff, which is all the shoots done over a period of five days, because obviously if I'm moving from shoot to shoot, my brain's in that kind of gear and I'm thinking about composition and colours and all that kind of stuff. And then I can take a week off almost in doing all the admin bits. So things like finances, which I do find really difficult to keep on top of, and writing blog posts and content and all that kind of
0: stuff. I think finances is such a interesting thing as well in terms of how you run your business, which is very 100% yourself, but very kind of also t- transparent. And you mentioned authenticity is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Finances is like a big, I feel like hush hush, right, in terms of nobody really openly talks about finances, um, specifically around how to run them and how targets but also specific numbers and do you have, I believe it's both a blog and kind of you, you openly talk about it in stories of how you mm-hmm. manage and set those goals, if you kind of want to talk more about that. Yeah, um,
1: yes yeah, so I have two two things, when I was part-time I had a blog where I was talking about um, money and how I, how much I was making and I think the first one I was literally like I've made 25 pounds in my own stuff this, this month and I was so scared to share that but that You know, that is the reality. I had a three three day a week job and from my own stuff I'd made 25 quid, but you've got to start somewhere. That's now switched into a kind of photography blog, so I focus more on stuff to support my clients. But I did a, the first Friday fails I did was the failure to hit my financial targets. And that's around the idea that essentially I set myself a yearly target and that target is pretty huge. So it's about double what I've ever made in my life. So, you know, it's a big, it's a big target to hit. Um, And then I break that target down into monthly targets. So some months might be higher than others. Like for example, January is generally a bit lower. Um, And something like September, October is a lot higher because there's a lot more Um, kind of campaigns and stuff going on around that time so then I work out my monthly targets but then I will break that down further into three things that I have to do each week to actually make sure I'm doing something to hit that target because it's all very well saying you know I want to make x amount of money this month but if I then don't do the outreach follow up on people check in on my invoices, do my financial tracking, share blog posts that ask for sale, like all that kind of stuff. I'm not gonna hit that target. I'm not just gonna arrive because I've said I want it. So yeah, I do then break down those numbers into things that I actively have to be doing. But the Friday Fails video was basically talking about the fact that I haven't hit a single one of those targets yet. And that actually that's completely fine by me because the idea with setting a big target is it means that I get up and go out and do the work and You know i'm working towards a very big goal so if i only reach half of that i've still probably just about made what i was making anyway or what i would like to make or enough to make to kind of live on and it's been the motivating factor to get me out and do that work and i always think you know if that target was actually a really realistic or boring target that's very low and you know a very responsible target would i then have made half of that anyway so, I just love
0: how you said the word responsible, It's a very boring, hard <laughs> exactly. word yeah. in itself. But I think it's an interesting balance because, you know, you, you see all these very clickbaity things around like hundred K months and all of that. And there is, there does seem to be this balance of like challenging yourself and pushing yourself, but also being realistic just because I say, mm-hmm. I'm going to make 120 next month. It's not going to happen. I mean, who knows, hopefully knock on wood, but, um, I very much know that just because I say that it's not going to happen in terms of kind of having those goals that push you and challenge you but don't demotivate you when you don't hit them kind of how how do you find that balance
1: i think my my target is kind of my dream target so what i would love to be making or what would make me feel as though i'm really doing well in this business but that would always mean that if i hit about half of it that's okay you know it would never be a target that means i cannot live if i don't hit it or if I hit half of it you know that i literally have to move out like I am always aware in a responsible way or realistic way or whatever of what I have to be paying out monthly and how much I need to be making in order to sustain myself and my business but I just think there's a bit of excitement in setting a really big target because you know worst case scenario you don't hit it but you've still done some great work in the meantime best case scenario you do hit it and that would feel amazing you know then you've You are behaving in the way that you want to be behaving or that you had seen yourself behaving in the future, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I do try and kind of make targets that I think, you know, five years down the line, me would be happy with.
0: And in terms of you mentioned, you kind of break that down into into very tangible chunks. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you have a specific number target that you want to hit, taking into account kind of seasonal changes. As you mentioned, January is a little bit slower. In terms of what that then actually brings, do you have like a reflection of, oh, I really know that outreach to these clients might potentially bring in X amount and outreach or doing this and this? Well, do you kind of know which which area you, you should invest in that would potentially help you with that target?
1: Yeah. So I typically break it down into shoots. So how many shoots at what price would I need to get, um, would I need to secure in order to meet the target? Because obviously they're they're typically a full day or like a seasonal package that I'll set at a set price. So I know if I booked one, I know how much it would bring in. And I try not to do too many bespoke packages because I just find it's a lot easier to say, you know, this is my flat rate, this is where I work. And then we work to see how how much we can get done for that brand at that price, rather than work to loads of specific different budgets because it's quite, it's quite hard to bring it all together and to know exactly how much is gonna come in. So yeah, it's typically broken down into how many shoots at a full day price I would need to get or how many of the you know organic September package would I need to book in in order to reach that target.
0: And kind of in terms of running a business and, and kind of building a business on your own terms, one of the things you had said in a different interview is around like building a business is about being able to, I mean, you. You're, I'm, I'm, it's weird misquoting you. <laughs> I don't want to misquote <laughs> you. It's
1: not initially, I think it's um, a Kerry Lyons Quote, if this is the one I think you're going to say.
0: Yeah, it's along the lines of like building a business is about living a few years of your life in a way that most people want in order to live the rest of your life in a way that most people can't. Yeah. And I'd kind of like to dive into that trade off. So what does it actually mean to live uh, life in a way that most people won't? And then what is kind of the the end goal that most people can't in the future? So I think... The most
1: people won't is all of those risk-taking moves, the big decisions, perhaps, you know, a really low-income few months or few years, all the kind of mindset stuff that comes with it, the highs and lows, the fact that you're suddenly on your own, you've got all these things to learn from. That You know, there's a lot to do in order to build your own business. And it's hard, you know, it's not it's not an easy thing to do and you have to overcome your own fears, but also the fears of other people around you, especially if people are relying on you to bring in the money to support them. So, yeah, I suppose living like most people won't is the idea that you'll take all of that on, knowing that something good is coming, rather than thinking, well, I'm safe where I am, and, you know, I've got a good income, I've got a good salary, so I'll just stick with it, even though it's not my favourite thing. And then living like most people can't is the idea that you have built that business that is for you you know I am my business so everything about my business and the way I work with my clients the way I structure my days everything is centered on me and my values and what brings me happiness and joy and you know what I love to do in my life so being able to live like that and have a business that supports that is that kind of living like most people can't aspect.
0: And I quite like that quote. We'll we'll figure out where exactly it come from. I definitely read it in in the interview yeah. you did with Unedited Business. I think it was Pip Christie. Yeah. Around that. But I think this idea of I guess now there's a trend to like early retirement and all of all of that of like, you know, if we if we kind of cut corners here or invest there or do all of these things, we could retire early. But I think like you mentioned, there's so much value in just taking those risks early on when you have the opportunity to. I don't know if there's ever not the opportunity to take risks. I feel like that's also just in our mind, but um, kind of really build that future. And in terms of future and kind of building that business, obviously everything's always very much a a learning and an evolving process, but is there a way in which you facilitate that evolving of your business or in which you kind of can see, Ooh, this could be a cool opportunity, but I actually don't want to do that. Or like, I'm, I'm going to Wait a little longer and invest in something else?
1: Yeah, I think I I think as long as I stick to my values, I can see my business kind of going forward and succeeding. I try and make all of my decisions based on that. But in order to kind of guarantee the maintaining of my business, I like a few strategy things would be things like investing in a coach. I will always continue to invest in a coach because they can just help me in a way that busts through all the mindset stuff that's holding me back. And then things like general business planning and all those kind of financial targets and stuff but i think having an eye on your business for the future in whatever way that looks like is really important because then i can kind of keep zoning into that and thinking you know it's about it's about that future it's like i've got something that i'm working towards and i always one of the quotes i love and i have on a little pinboard right by my desk is my vehicle of choice is my business so there are so many things that i want to improve and change and causes that I want to invest in and donate to and all that kind of stuff and sometimes I get a bit downhearted because I think well I'm you know I haven't made enough to give as much as I'd like or I haven't been able to donate my time to them so knowing that every day I show up and work on my business will then help me to invest in those later on and will help build a business that means I can make those kind of decisions so yeah having a vision on on the future and and why you're doing what you're doing is really important to me in kind of maintaining that
0: and this really clear why again I think there's so many words that that seem quite kind of I guess big and daunting but distilling that clear why does that come back to that pivotal moment of of friends and family of of not letting them down or how did you crystallize that very clear why I think
1: yeah I suppose my my why is being able to prioritize things in my own way and that does, you know, that does come down to being, being able to prioritise friends and family. But I do then have, kind of in line with food, I do have a few things that I really, I like to remind myself of to kind of motivate me to keep going. And they're big and sometimes I get almost embarrassed kind of talking about them with people. But, you know, I, I want to make a positive, long lasting change in the world. That is part of why I work with the particular clients that I do. They're making sustainable choices. They're doing really innovative things with food. I, I want to be able to help them to do that so that we can together make a change. And another thing that's really important to me is I want to be able to get people who are on the streets off the streets and give them food because I just think that food is a basic human right for everybody and I think it's something that should really be enjoyed and I think it's something that everybody... Everybody should enjoy, and you know those kind of things they feel massive, and sometimes, yeah, okay, they might be naive or you know i 'm only one person and one business, but having those things to tap into is really important for me, and I do find it really motivating
0: and before we kind of wrap things up, one of the things I do want to talk about is your mission to kind of drive positive change, and as you kind of alluded to that, that might be getting to a point with your business where you could then kind of set up a new structure to to give back right now on a day-to-day basis what does that look like you alluded to the fact that it's the type of clients that you pick and, and decide to work with but also within the work you do how does that kind of big you know having an impact and driving change actually look like for you so i think
1: firstly when i'm kind of working with my clients or deciding to work with my clients it is very kindness focused i want to work with people who are as passionate as I am and who really believe in the power of their products and what they're doing or it might be that they have a cause that they're connected to and you know they really want success for their business so that they can funnel as much support and money into that kind of charity or um, organization as they can so there's a definite process in terms of working with my clients I it's so important to me that their values align with mine. And I will say no to work. I do turn down clients, even if they've come to me, if I just don't feel like that's aligned and it feels weird at the time, but I always end up booking more from another client than I do the client I've turned down. So that's one thing. And then another thing is, where I can't invest money necessarily at the moment, I really try and invest my time. So I work with a homelessness and rehousing shelter local to me and I go and I cook with them and I teach them how to kind of cook for themselves and we cook a meal together and then we just eat and chat and I just, sharing that, sharing food, being able to communicate with people, I just think is so important and, it, and food is a real leveller. So I would love to turn that into something bigger. I would love to be able to eventually create somewhere or some kind of organization that supports anybody and everybody that isn't able to enjoy a meal with people um, and bring them together and just spend 10 minutes thinking about something else and, you know, laughing over a bowl of soup or whatever. So yeah, I would like to extend that. But for now, where I can, I just donate my time.
0: That's super wonderful. And what a lovely note to end on. Last three questions here. What book changed your life or shifted your mindset? I found this question really
1: hard because I was like, oh no, I haven't read enough non-fiction books. But there is a book- It oof, can be fiction. It is, it's not actually um, fiction, but it did, I was considering it. But it's a book called First Bite by B. Wilson. And it's basically a collection of research by kind of food psychologists and nutritionists and that kind of stuff that reveals kind of how we shape our habits um, and decisions around food and how we establish our likes and dislikes. Um, And it taps into loads of different factors like family and culture, memory and gender, hunger and love. I'm quoting there from the blurb. But it was just the first book that really introduced me to the power of food and what it can represent and how much a part of our identity it is.
0: Is that where happy food came from?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. That definitely started, you know, me thinking, turning away from the classic um, conversations we'd have at school about calories and all that kind of stuff to actually what does food really mean, the power of food, how food can be enjoyed, how um, tightly it's connected to our culture. So, yeah, that was definitely, definitely where the happiness idea came from, I would imagine.
0: And where did, before I ask the second question, I'm just very, I always wanted to ask this from the beginning and I, we totally got sidetracked. Where did Spoonful of Happy come from?
1: I wanted something. So this was when I'd started my blog. So I was sharing recipes and I wanted something that alluded to creating recipes, some kind of measurements. That's how I ended up with Spoonful. But I really wanted to convey the idea of happiness and not that, you know, you, you would come and, just find recipes that are healthy only or take away that fun factor or are really boring or I just didn't want any deprivation around it. Um, Yeah I just think kind of happy food is sometimes as as good as healthy food in the sense that if you make a happy decision with your dinner you'll probably feel healthier and happier for it so I just wanted to kind of tie that all in.
0: I don't know enough about it but I thought there's some research around the way that we actually digest certain foods uh has nothing to do with the actual calories or the type of food but kind of the surroundings. Like yeah. a meal in front of a computer at work is digested very differently than a meal with friends. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I've definitely my mindset around food has changed when I've just let go of all the kind of rules that you're supposed to follow and just embrace whatever it is that I want to be eating and eat it in a happy way without those feelings of kind of guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff.
0: And then secondly, what is your secret to success? Again These were tough
1: questions. (laughs) Um, But I think my secret to success is putting my values first and kind of like never losing sight of what's really important to me. So I've said I value kind of kindness and authenticity. um, And in that way, I then know that no matter what decision I'm facing, no matter how big or difficult it feels, as long as I act with those values in mind, it will lead to success in one way or another.
0: And do you kind of have, following on from that, do you have a definition of success?
1: I, no, I could do a whole podcast on the word success. I don't know, I just feel like it's not an end, end goal. It's never over. I think it's, oh, I don't know, journey is a cringy word, but I would say success really is just embracing every single part of what you're doing and not focusing on the, the end goal.
0: And lastly, what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live life differently? This would definitely be to not focus on exactly
1: what the job is going to look like because I didn't know initially, you don't need to know to get started Um, and I still believe that what I'm doing now will probably change and evolve in some way so rather than focusing on kind of nailing those details down just remember and keep in mind my values because you know my business is an extension of who I am so it doesn't matter what I'm doing it matters who I'm being.
0: Wonderful. If people want to find out more about you, where can
1: they find you? So I'm on Instagram at spoonfulofhappy underscore. um, And my website is spoonfulofhappy.co.uk. And I've got my portfolio on there and then a blog that's kind of tailored towards um, advice and tips and tricks for um, brands and businesses that are looking to kind of grow their brand, build their connection and look at their food imagery.
0: And you've got some great behind the scenes as well in your stories. Oh, yeah. As well as IGTV, which is still a mystery to me. Um, Yeah,
1: IGTV (laughs) is my Friday Fails, where I will now, having posted the consistency one, show up consistently and share a, a failure in my business each week. And my stories is probably the most personal I've ever been. And I just broadcast that to everybody. So, yeah, come
0: and join me over there. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Samantha's tip about stacking your to-do list in such a way that you do the things that you really don't want to do first to then get to the things that you want to do has been incredibly helpful. If this conversation has helped you in any way or led to some insights, please share it with your friends, colleagues, and family. I would also be incredibly grateful if you could please write a review as this helps me record more episodes and makes it easier for others to find it. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Modern Day Rebels on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow at Modern Day Rebels on Instagram or sign up to the newsletter to receive some practical tips and tricks you can easily apply in your day-to-day. You can find all the links mentioned throughout this episode in the show notes. See you next Monday.